It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Hi to everybody watching and listening on Super Soul Sunday with the election just a couple of days away. I know that so many of you may be at this point tired of politics or the negative ad campaigns and the constant news cycle about our divided country. I like to think of Super Soul as a space where we can take a breath and where we can slow down, center ourselves and focus on what really matters. Now, what's most important to me is that as American citizens, we exercise our sacred privilege, our right to vote, because there are millions of people who came before us and who are living now around the world who didn't and don't have that same right. It is my uh, fervent desire that we, 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 we do not take the vote for granted. And I wanna show you a clip from the Oprah show uh, back in 1988, I think, where I explained over 32 years ago the reason why I always vote. I've been telling the story for years. If you haven't heard it, here it is. I'll start with Norma and Mia. I, I'm, t I'm trying to remain totally unbiased during this show, but I will start with you all because as black people in this country, I, I, I just find it difficult to believe that you're not going to vote for somebody since so many of our people died for the right to vote. I can't believe it. So, so you have to address that issue for me first. Okay. Well, I guess basically I feel that who, do, who am I being true to first, myself or my country? I, I don't want to be a hypocrite and go yeah. in there and not vote for, you know, somebody that might do the job right. I, I, I don't know. I just feel that... Let me tell you this story. Okay. There's a Reverend Otis Moss in Cleveland who, who, who told this story uh, in, in a sermon that he gave. He was born in a little town, I think, in, in Georgia. I can't remember the name of the town. I'll try to make the story brief. He says he remembers the day his father 
uh, as a black man was first given the right to vote. His father walked six miles to the voting poll. He got there, and the people told him there, you're in the wrong place, boy. He walked another eight miles to the voting poll, and they said, you're in the wrong place. You should be seven miles up. He walked another seven miles up and got there, and it was too late to vote. After his father walked all those miles back home, the children were waiting to see, Daddy, what did it feel like as a, as a black man to vote for the first time? And he had to tell them, his father had to tell them that he didn't have a chance to vote because he went to the wrong place and was, was denied the right to vote. And by the time the next election rolled around, Otis Moss's father was, was dead. And so he says that every election he votes in the name of his father. And I carry that on in the name of his father and all the fathers and mothers who didn't have the chance. Remember that tomorrow when you're thinking, oh, I don't know, I'm so busy, I don't know if I can get it. <laughs> Remember there was an entire suffragette movement for women in this country to have a right to say, I have a choice, I have a choice. So exercise that choice, okay? Thank you very much. And now I'm having what I've always called a full circle moment because Otis Moss's remarkable story has now been made into a beautiful short film titled Otis's Dream. Now for me, it's, 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 it's both heartbreaking and also inspiring at the same time. So I urge you to watch this film and then share it with a friend, share it with a family member. Uh, because here's the fundamental question. Do you want your voice to be heard? And think about the price that has been paid for your voice to be heard. So after we watch Otis's Dream, I'll be joined by Reverend Otis Moss III. He is the original Otis Moss's grandson for a conversation about his grandfather's story and the legacy that he's left. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with my interview. And now, here is Otis's dream. Let me tell you a story. A story about my father, Otis Moss Sr. It's the story of my father's determination to exercise his right to vote. One morning in the fall of 1946, he got up, determined to cast his ballot. My father was a farmer, a sharecropper in the rural South. He served in the military during the First World War. Always a man of dignity, quiet courage and determination. Our mother, his devoted wife, had died at an early age, and my father struggled as a single parent of five children. I'm going to vote today. were amazed, excited, that our father is about to do something really significant. Go vote, Bob! Vote him out! Yeah, go get him! We love you! 
From the house, well dressed, well groomed, six miles to the town center. Now, in every age, things have been introduced to keep certain people from voting, especially black people. We knew the racism, the hatred, the injustice represented. In Governor Eugene Talmadge. And some of the Negroes will vote. If I'm your governor, they won't vote in our white primary the next four years. He was well aware of all of the dangers, toils, snares, and roadblocks to keep him from voting. But he was willing. To face all of that and exercise his right to vote, he did not know what the experience would be for him on that day, but he was well aware of what was taking place all over the South at that very moment. Sir, I am Otis Moss, and I am here to vote. What did you say your name was? Otis Moss. Otis, it looks like you've come to the wrong polling place. You need to go over to the Mountville School. I have a letter here from the county stating that I vote here. People from your side of town are to vote in Mountville. You're supposed to get a letter, but the mail's been slow this past few weeks. Did he come over here? I think he came here a little earlier. May I have my letter back? Let me tell you a story about my grandfather. He'd already walked six miles to the first polling place. Now he's being told, "You've come to the wrong place—a clear and blatant lie." Now he has to go to the Montville School. The Montville School is in a different city. I imagine as my grandfather walked, the sounds of the world crept into his ear. You are a second-class citizen. You are three-fifths of a person. You are nothing but a Negro. But in his spirit, he heard his faith. And the songs say, "Ain't gonna let nobody turn me around." Not just walking, but marching to the next polling place. He steps through the doors of the Montville School, unsure of what he will face. 
Yes? I'm here to vote. I was sent here from the LaGrange courthouse. You are in the wrong place. You're supposed to vote at the Rosemont School. Now, the clerk from the courthouse said I was to come here. I don't know about that, but I know you're supposed to vote at the Rosemont School. Ma'am. Let me tell you the story of my great-grandfather. Because of the color of his skin, he was held back from voting. Voting, a basic right of his, one of his freedoms. And because of the way he looked, he wasn't allowed to. Despite the next polling place being six more miles, despite the disappointment and the anger and the frustration, his determination, strong will, and dream to vote outweighed any disappointment that crossed his mind. Boy, I sure am sorry, but the polling place closed. Now, if you had have been here five minutes earlier, we would have let you in. anywhere more to come after this short break no two travelers are exactly alike and that means no two trips should be either texas vast landscape of cultures regions destinations and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences are you a beach person well you'll be having fun under the sun with texas 350 miles of coastline if you're more of a rugged vacation type there are campgrounds hiking trails and state parks galore and foodies can't get enough of Texas world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. Wounded, but never give up.
denied, but never accepting that denial. Insulted, but refusing to accept the insult inwardly and thereby setting an example and a memory for generations unborn. Just a few years after that, our father was killed in an automobile accident. Fast forward, I became a participant in the civil rights movement and the voting rights movement and joined Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in the Selma March, witnessed the signing of the Voting Rights Bill, 1965. That was a great moment. It was a great victory. In the civil rights struggle, it was a great accomplishment. However, no one could dig up our father's bones and put a ballot in his hand. Some things are beyond repair. Papa, a minute. Next time. Next time. Listen here. Promise me. If you get a chance, you gotta vote. One of the remarkable moments in my life and in my memory is taking my son, Otis III, to vote. I paused on my side of the curtain in prayerful silence and listened to Otis III punch his ballot that became music, freedom music, liberation music, the sound of my father's footsteps trying to cast his vote.
You know, I've often wondered how Otis Moss felt when he got to that last polling place and told it was closed, what must have been going through his mind and how tired he would have been and how hot the day would have been and his mind on that long walk home. What was on his mind? What was he thinking about? Well, now I want to welcome the man responsible and who may have some answers to those questions, the man responsible for the powerful film you just saw, Otis's grandson, Reverend Otis Moss III. Hello, Reverend. How are you? It's a delight to be with you today. It's such a pleasure. So I just want to say, when is the first time, you know, I just saw a clip of me. I, I, I was telling the stories in the 80s. So it must have been the early 80s when I first heard the story. I have been telling the story of your grandfather for as long as I can remember, actually, since I left Baltimore, and that was 83, I think. So tell me when you first heard the story. Well, the story of my grandfather has become like lore in, in my family. My father would not only tell the story to, uh, to us, uh, but he also told it to the, to the church. And, and my father has one of those voices. There's James Earl Jones, there's Morgan Freeman, and then there's my dad. And he would share the story with the congregation, and it became mythical. Um, and magical. At the same time, these people of dignity in Troop County. So I was probably about 10 when I remembered the story. But it was in 88, you had already become a purveyor of that story when you shared it again. And I had the opportunity uh, to cast my vote for the first time for Reverend Jesse Jackson in the primary in Ohio. My father took me to that was 88. elementary school. That was 88. Yeah, that was 88. Wow. So when, you know, you, you grew up hearing it, I heard your mm -hmm. father, Reverend Otis Moss Jr., tell the story at a prayer breakfast in, um, for the Black Caucus. So that had to be in the early 80s or late 70s when I first, first heard it. And, you know, it, it, it impacted me, as I've said often, it impacted me for life, that story. And mm. I want to know when you became aware of what it really meant. I mean, because there's one thing, you're a young boy, you're, you're hearing the story, and oh, yeah, that's your grandfather, blah, blah. but when did it impact you? And when you went into the voting booth yourself, did you carry the image of your grandfather with you, as I have done since I heard the story? Mm. It, it, it was really at that moment when I had the opportunity to go in the voting booth. I was, I was with my father. He'd been sharing the story. And my grandfather was, was with me, the spirit of my grandfather. And when I come out of the voting booth, my father has tears in his eyes because wow. he knew at that moment something was being fulfilled, that what his father Ooh. couldn't do, I was able to do, but I was casting my ballot for someone who looked like my grandfather. And it really just, just struck a chord uh, with him. And it was just a beautiful moment that I will never forget. And then fast forward, when my son had the opportunity to vote for the first time, he voted wow. for a black woman, the mayor of Atlanta, and called his grandfather and said, I voted. And do you think great grandpa would be excited that I voted? And so it's, wow. both of us got an opportunity to vote for someone who looked like us when we had the opportunity mm. to vote.
Wow. You know, so I, I love that it is sort of a sacred rite of passage in your home. It yes. feels like that's what mm -hmm. it has become. And I was just sharing some thoughts because I've been working all this past week uh, doing many of the swing states, talking to uh, thought leaders and social thought leaders about the importance of voting and trying to rally people around this idea of voting. And it occurred to me after watching this beautiful film that you all just constructed, it occurred to me that to not vote mm. feels like shaming your ancestors. It is a dishonor yes. to your ancestors. It's a dishonor. You are dishonoring those people like your grandfather who got mm. up and got themselves in, a, in, 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 in the best state that they could and knew that they were risking so much. Yes. Because if you can yes. for a moment, tell us what Georgia in 1946, uh, which some people are still alive and know, know what that means. Georgia in 1946, what he was risking. He, mm. he knew he might not even get back home. That's right, that's right. So 1946, my, my grandfather is a sharecropper. He puts on his Sunday best because he was going to go to the polls. He was going to go as a person of dignity. He was a single father raising five kids. And Governor Talmadge was running for re-election, who was an avowed racist, who said there are three problems in Georgia. And he gave the N-word three times in his stump speech. And if you elect me, you will never see another Negro vote in the primary. He was saying to the people of Georgia, and this is not hyperbole, I'm gonna make Georgia great again uh, in the process. And then he says to all of the domestic terrorists that no one is going to arrest you if in fact you see someone of African descent trying to vote. So when he went out that day, he wasn't sure if he was gonna come back. When he went out that day, he, he went out also in honor of his wife who died because mm -hmm. of medical apartheid because they wouldn't treat her at a white hospital. He understood wow. the connection between policy. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Some things should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, You'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. 
Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. And casting his vote, and he walked 18 miles in honor of a woman he deeply loved and a family he cared about and wasn't sure if he was going to make it back home. Yeah, when I think about the risk that was taken, and not only, not only if he made it back home, what could have happened to his home? You know, mm. the Klan riding mm -hmm. at night, doing That's something right. to your children, to your son. And then your father, in spite of being raised by a single father and having all the difficulties of, you know, putting your life together or being able to keep your life together once your father has passed, those were the days where the community came together and said, we will mm -hmm. take care of these children. Not? Is yes. that what happened? Yeah. That's right. That's right. When my grandfather uh, died in a car accident, uh, head on, drunk driver uh, killed him. The community came around uh, my father and his siblings. And one person down the road said, I'll take care of you. Another person said, I've got you. It was a village situation. And, and it was a beautiful thing to see. And so my father then goes. So were the, the children house. split up? Were mm -hmm. the children split up? They were split up. They were split up. Different family members and extended family took care of different family members. So the youngest, uh, uncle, my uncle Mitchell, uh, was taken care of by, by a family member because he was so small. And then, you know, my father was taken in by, by neighbors who says, you have a home with us from now on. Uh, his sisters wow. were taken in by different people and they cared for them, raised them. And all of them had that ethic of, we're going to vote from now on in reference to the memory of their father. How do you think your dad, Otis Moss Jr., who we see in the film as a young boy, how do you think he was shaped by his father? Mm. That, that's a, I've thought about that question because my father is, he's a gentle giant. He's a person of conviction and compassion. His, his idea of manhood is not volume and violence or some toxic masculinity. It is just the simplicity of loving, caring, and being committed to the people you love. And he saw that in his father, a father who was a sharecropper, but said, I'm gonna take care of my children. He saw that in his father in the simple dignity of making sure that his clothes looked a certain way when he walked out. Yeah, and he believed yeah. that he was <sighs> to be a person committed to that small Troop County area We've got to take care of everybody around here. And he has mm. that to this day. There's, there is I know. nobody I know. There's no, if I could be the 10th of the man he is, mm. I would be all right. Mm. Well, I know of what you speak because he's one of the people I admire most in the world. I think I, his, his, his integrity, impeccable, mm. and doesn't just, not, is not, just a fine preacher, but such a, such a fine human being and lives mm. the word. That, that has been my experience with yes. your father. So when and how did y'all decide that y'all were gonna turn this into, uh, uh, y'all were gonna stop talking about it and you were gonna actually <laughs> turn it into a film and let the world know about it? Well, it's, it's been kind of, you know, ruminating in our, in our minds for quite some time because we've been bugging my father you have to write your memoirs because he's got more stories um, and experiences and he just seems to connect with everyone. 
Um, but really this summer is really when it moved. This pandemic helped us, pushed us. Uh, there was a wonderful uh, woman in Columbus, Ohio, who wrote a song. She heard you speak about my grandfather. And so she just wrote a song talking about Otis walking, Otis walking from polling to place to polling place. I shared it with my parents. And uh, as we talked together as a family, said it's, it's about time that uh, we put something together. And so this summer I started writing uh, the script I didn't send it to any church people because I don't want people to say, oh, baby, that's real good. I wanted to send it to some people who actually do film <laughs> and could critique it. Um, so I sent it uh, to some individuals who uh, would give honest feedback who were in the film industry. And they said, you know, you've, you, this, is, this is okay. This is, this is all right. And it's, it was sacred serendipity that brought together all of the necessary filmmakers uh, in order to put this production together. Uh, the Spirit of God was really working in that moment. Well, I want to give a shout out to Keith Walker, who was uh, the cinematographer for this. Keith has yes, shown indeed. with me for years. He's my favorite photographer. And I can see his hand, his camera hand, his eye all through this. So bless you for that. I know so many people will see the film and will be moved by the film. Um, What's your intention for what it achieves? Well, what we're doing, we're deploying the film to 500, at minimum 500 churches across the, uh, the nation, especially in swing states. And that if 500 churches play the film, we know that we can reach 100,000 people uh, that will focus on voter suppression and getting out to vote. And so we have a hashtag, mm -hmm. vote the dream. Uh, and we want you to share your story, maybe the first time voting or who is the person that you are voting in honor of? Who is the ancestor in, mm. in your community? Who is the person in your family who was denied the right to vote? Hashtag vote the dream. I vote in honor when I vote of Otis Moss Sr. Who is it in your family? And if it's not the person that maybe in your family, maybe you say, I vote in honor of Harriet Tubman. You know, I vote in honor of Frederick Douglass. Who, whoever it may be, we want people to understand there is a legacy that we, we stand mm -hmm. on the shoulders of other people. Well, yeah, I've, as I've been saying for years, I vote in honor of Otis Moss. So I'm so glad you all have made a film. Um, I want to know, you know, it, one of the reasons why I like the film so much is because nothing in it speaks about our division, except y'all did cast some very nice uh, mean white people in there. There's some very nice, <laughs> very nice mean white people. When the woman says, I know that you're not supposed to vote here. I mean, very good casting, very good acting. So I want to know what is your personal prayer for us, where we are now and where we're, where we are headed in the next two days? Mm -hmm. My prayer is that we would reclaim the jazz of democracy. And when I say jazz, it means that in a jazz band, everybody is allowed to solo to bring their unique perspective to the table. And, and it's my prayer Ooh, that, that. Uh, we will learn the jazz of democracy, that even though the piano and the saxophone aren't supposed to play together, they do, and they make beautiful music. And I think jazz mm -hmm. teaches us what democracy is all about. And I hope on Tuesday that people will bring their solo, they'll bring their song to build something new in this nation. And we literally, in the words of John Coltrane, we can create a love supreme, even though we've seen strange fruit. Woo, sounding like your daddy. 
really. Each <laughs> here this morning. Okay, I want to tell all of our Super Soul audience that tomorrow night, Monday night, at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, I'm asking leaders across many different faiths to gather together in a one-hour program in prayer for our country. I agree we're in a battle for the soul of our nation, and my hope is that Monday night we can be another or have another chance to center ourselves, focus on what really matters, and come together in a prayer for peace and unity. And I hope you join us. You go to www.zoomwithoprah.com to watch it live and be a part of our big prayer service. All you have to do is register and you can watch it for free. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern tomorrow night. I believe so strongly in your grandfather's story and in this film that I want everybody I know to watch it. And so what we're going to do is have it up on Oprah.com anytime for anybody who wants to see it. Where else can people see the film? Uh, they can go to Otis's Dream. Uh, com. And we also have resources if you want to join the fight against voter suppression. Uh, you can learn about the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. You can learn about Fair Fight uh, that was started by Stacey Abrams. Uh, you can learn about Rock the Vote um, or the Brennan Law Center that tracks um, voter suppression. We want people to be educated because this isn't just about November 3rd. This is about generations that are yet to be born. We have to make America not make it great again. We just have to make America the yet-to-be United States. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you, Reverend Moss. Reverend Otis Moss III, uh, <laughs> thank you for bringing your thank grandfather's you. story to life in such a, such a poignant manner. Now, generations and generations to come will be able to do exactly what you said, will be able to know his story. Can you imagine? I wonder... Obviously, you all thought about what he would think about this. What did mm. you, oh, tell me this. What did your dad say when he first saw the film? Oh, oh, Sister Winfrey, we showed him just, you know, the rough cut. My father, you know, my father's quiet. You, you know my father, he's, he's quiet, he's laid back. Quiet. He is one of the coolest brothers you ever will meet. <laughs> you know, you know, he, 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 not only, you know, I was going to say a man of dignity. He's not a man of dignity. He's a man of dignity. He's a man of dignity. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got him. You got it. Okay. But when he yeah. saw the rough cut, he got quiet and he, he teared up. He took his hands and he went like this and he says, I know my father would be proud. And it was, we were wow. all, all his grandchildren were around him and... It was, it was a moment that I will never forget. Hmm. Well done. Well done, sir. Well done. And to everyone watching and listening, do we need to say it again? If you haven't already, please vote. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.